The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to talk from the inside of sports. It's time for G. Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren. We'll talk to and about players, front office personnel, agents, and the newsmakers in and around sports. Now, here are your hosts, G. Cobb and Micah Warren. What's going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to G. Cobb in the House. I'm Micah Warren along with G. Cobb, Jason Ashworth, Denny Basin from gcobb.com. And we got a lot to talk about tonight. We can talk baseball, football, can be anything tonight. Then we got pennant races going on. I, I still want to be heavy on the football, though, guys, because uh, it is week one. And I don't know about you guys. They, they usually do, like, the doubleheader on Monday night, which is all well and good. If they could do it, the doubleheader on the Thursday night, you know, think about just all the extra crap they could cut out and fit two football games in there. They wouldn't need Dave Matthews and all that nonsense. Just play two football games. The one's just like, it's not enough. I mean, you yeah. guys. Mike, I was going to say, it's not what they could do with, it's what they could do without. Oh, <laughs> oh. I didn't need Kobe Calais. I didn't need Dave Matthews. I didn't need the high school pet band on the field. I didn't need <laughs> half the nonsense that they were coming with. But the 50 stories about the New Orleans Saints. And all, I'm just like, man, kick the ball off already. Yeah, well, you had to get your Harry Connick in there. You had to get your Harry Connick Jr. Before you <laughs> yeah, get Harry it is New Orleans. But, Let's not forget. Now, the NFL honestly annoys me with that stuff, with all the extra stuff and the nonsense. It's like, I know it's a big party. It's the opening game. Whatever. Just play the game. It's so ridiculous. But, that, uh, G, did you get a chance to watch the game last night? Yeah, I saw some of it. Um, you know, it really looked like, a, you know, uh, you had Brett Favre basically out there uh, going through his training camp. I mean, um, you know, they were, um, you know, it was kind of disappointing. I mean, you only see that amount of points scored, and I thought that uh, he he just looked like a little off his game, and you know, of course, uh, you know, they're missing the, you know, one of the key receivers. Uh, they're not the same, but uh, I think that they got to really be angry at themselves for losing to the Saints. You hold them to 14 points and lose to the Saints? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll tell you what, you're right, Favre, doing, you kind of alluded to it, watching Brett Favre's training camp. I know the stats in terms of attempts didn't really reflect what I thought it was, but it just seemed like every time it was handing the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off. I think he still finished close with like 27 attempts, but it just, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody else felt this way, but it just seemed like, I mean, Brett, what did you come back for? Tavares Jackson could have handed the ball off, thrown a touchdown <laughs> on the pit. Well, you know, I definitely think, that, you know, Brad Childress is kind of watching him. I mean, you know, and uh, as I said, he's he's going through his, his training camp. I mean, to let a guy do that, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, to have a team where you would let a guy come back and he comes in, he knows he's not ready, and then afterwards he says, "Hey, look, you know, I'm a little rusty and everything." You know, yeah, well, maybe if you'd have went, you know, some training camp, <laughs> but he well, just gee, what you training camp. I mean, you're on you that know. team. Let's say you're you're on one of those, you know, teams in the '80s you were playing for, and they let uh, Randall show up when he wanted. I mean, you know. 
Are you just kind of looking at like, are you guys serious? No, I, I just think that you just, you, it's just not, I don't know how you can let a guy do that. You know? It's a joke. It's not, it's a joke. I'm a, I, look, I'll be the first to say it. I've always been to say it. Brett Favre's a great quarterback. He's been great for the game. Uh, he is one, not the best, in my opinion, but he is one. I mean, he's one of the top ten quarterbacks of all time. You can argue top five. Mm-hmm. But this, what, the, what he's Yeah, you can argue whatever you want. Yeah, you can argue whatever. Yeah, fair enough. You can argue whatever you want, but he's playing as if he's bigger than the game. I mean, you have 16 games during the regular season to come out the first game and use it as a training, uh, as your training camp to use it as a preseason game to, to knock the rust. I don't know. I don't know where he gets off year in year out, and I, I don't know who's to blame. Whether it's Brett Favre for doing it or for owners and coaches for letting him. Uh, well, obviously, I, you can say for letting him. Yeah, I mean, but he seems to get a natural pass. Every time, and and I've been the one one of those guys who've been more outspoken over the last few years and not giving him a pass, but I, it's fallen on deaf ears. And uh, but I, I don't know. It's it just come to it's, at one point it comes to a head, man. I don't the know. guy is really. I think he's gotten really. Uh, I mean, he's got a major pass because, you know, I mean, as great a player as he is. See, and this is the thing: is that yeah, he's still a great player and everything, but you know, all of the other guys who wound up playing far below what they really were capable of, they answered for it. He hasn't had to answer for that. Come on. Yep. No way a guy as great as he is should have thrown their team and should have ended their team's hopes, you know, uh, by being so undisciplined to do that and just laugh about it and everything. No no chastisement. You know, when other guys yep. are called on the carpet for it, he just got a free pass. You know, that's Brett being Brett. He always has. He always has. His entire career for some of the stupid decisions. Look, Brett Favre, again, he's a great quarterback, but some of the decisions he's made over the course of his career, you just scratch your head. Well, I think he really should be taken off of that great, you know, because he should not be losing a game for his team. He has flat out lost the game for his team and walk off, you know. I mean, and and, and the guys that, you know, I put way ahead of him because they would not do that. They're far too disciplined. You know, and care too much about, you know, hey, trying to win the game for their team. Then they just throw the game away and just walk off like it's no big deal. You know, come on, never would throw a ball, just throw it up for grabs in the playoffs with the game on the line. Just throw it up and just shoot up. It, 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 it was interesting, too, because I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, they were actually talking to Porter about that throw. They recapped it during the game. And all Porter kept saying uh, in terms of that pick in the NFC Championship game was, there's no way he's going to throw it. Yeah. There's no way he's going to throw it. Sure enough, he threw it, and I think Porter was the, the guy who was most surprised out of all and, of and them. That, and that was not the worst, you know, that wasn't the worst uh, interception he's thrown. I mean, who? that one against the Eagles was much worse. Just yeah. threw the ball up for grabs. Completely careless. And, careless, uh, careless, like, oh, well. I mean, a guy like that, the guy should have been fighting him when they came off the field. I mean, that, that's how bad it was. But, you know, because he's Brett Favre, he gets away with it. Nobody says, you know what, somebody should punch him in his face for doing that to that team like that. You got these guys scrambling and got to where they are, and you just throw the game away and walk off, you know, and, and, and be very flippant about it. I'm telling you, boy, you know, there are some guys I know in the game that would have went after him, but they, they weren't on his team, though. So why do we still have to call him great, though? We always have to say you can't criticize Brett Favre unless it starts with He's a great quarterback, but how many how many long lists of under but 
eventually take away from the great part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, is Vinny there? The stats. Troy Aikman does not have far stats. Not even close. I, you know, in fact, I just talked to uh, Troy today. He's going to be doing the game on um, doing the game on Sunday and everything. I didn't get into all that, but. I, you know, I would like to go at, man, I would be ready to jump over a fence and punch Brett Favre right in the mouth. He throw throw a game like that, and you fought all the way to get to that point, and guy just throws the game away, walks off and goes, and again gets up in front of a mic and goes, oh, well, you know, hey, win some, you lose some. Yeah, and you punch some, too, you know. Yeah. You know, Mike, to kind of get at your question, why he keeps getting, or why would he keep you on as, as great, it, I think it's a combination of little kid who you know wasn't thought of much coming out of college. The game streak, the numbers he's put up, the stats, just the fact that he was there every game. And for every bad throw he made, Brett Favre's made some pretty impressive throws over his career. And a lot of the times he wouldn't have made those impressive throws if it wasn't for the risk and the gamble. I mean, obviously he has a BB for an arm. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's no, almost how I many of those he, What he time. got is, you know, it's a cultural thing. I mean... Brett Favre is the all-American, quote-unquote, guy. Right. You know, right. and, um, you know, he, he's gotten a pass, uh, you know, because he's, he's got that, he's got that all-American thing, meaning that he's a guy from rural America. He, he just fits the whole cultural thing of a lot of the country, and I think that's one of the reasons for his popularity. But if he had, uh, you know, some of, you know, uh, different things about him, uh, let's say he – uh, you know, he wasn't that old All-American cut guy. And I think, I, you know, I, I really, if I think about it, the biggest thing about him is that he's played Green Bay all, all those years. They, did, You know, Green Bay's not hard on you like that, you know. Right. They love their guys and everything. So they never went after him. If he was in New York and he threw some of those passes, if he was in Philadelphia and he threw some of those passes in the season, are you kidding? Yeah. Danny, what oh, my think? goodness. They're ready to grab us. Because, you know, and, and just going to, to uh, Green Bay and, Seeing a game the way they are, they're just so lovey dovey, you know. I mean, Eagles would beat them, and, you know, they know I'm from Philadelphia. They want me to eat one of their, uh, what do they call those, uh, the, the bratwurst, bratwurst and everything. Yeah, yeah some bratwurst and some beer. Come on over here, buddy. You know how, what kind of treatment you get in Philadelphia after you come in and beat the Eagles, and they know you're from out of town. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, Denny, go ahead. Why don't you give your comment? What do you think about Brett Favre? You know, you, you've watched him over the years. Oh, yeah. It, a lot of what you guys have said, you know, he's gotten so many passes over the years. And even last night, the interception he threw in the second quarter, I believe, when the Vikings were uh, getting close to the uh, red zone. After the game, uh, Brad Childress was complaining because he thought there was a pass interference on the play. But that doesn't excuse uh, Favre from throwing the uh, ball like right to the spot where there's a uh, Defender uh, blanketing the uh, receiver like that. Yeah, yeah that, that guy did grab him. You know who was it? Uh, pick, uh, what's was, his name? Uh, the middle Vilma. The linebacker. Vilma. Um, Vilma. Vilma. Yeah, Vilma. Vilma did grab him by the waist. Still, why are you going to you know take that chance like that? You know that that wasn't going to be a big play, but you take you that kind of risk, and you know you hurt the team. I mean. Uh, that's the one thing, and, and that's why you got to give Mike Holmgren credit. Because you would know better than I would. Yeah. Mike Holmgren would would go went after him for years, and and he made him he played his best ball, won the championship back then, because Mike Holmgren would be right ready to chew his head off, man, just red beat red when he come off and do the and he would throw one up, oh he would get on him. But I, I think that's the only way you can coach a guy like that. 
in all reality, and again, Jay, I'll position this to you, isn't every throw in the NFL a risk? I mean, because you're always thrown to a spot, and half the time the ball released before the receiver makes a cut. So in essence, because I think he started throwing the ball before, who was it? Uh, was it Shanko, I think, was his intended target uh, on that one? Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. But regardless, almost every throw is thrown. Yeah, but, but, but the you see that throw, it was the kind of throw he was under pressure, okay? Mm-hmm. He was trying to do something cute, okay? He knew he was, un- he was under pressure. He, he, you know, you make the decision where, see, there's a discipline that you see in great quarterbacks, and that's why I take my hat off to Tom Brady because I see him as the most disciplined. I think Donovan is disciplined, but he's not as good as Brady, you know. Uh, Brady's the great guy that can know when to take that big chance, make that great throw. At the same time, he's playing the game almost like a defensive player where he's saying, look, it's about the team. I am not going to cost this team. And and that means, you know, you're not thinking about your greatness, you know. Uh, The biggest thing that it says about Favre is he's conceited. He's he's, uh, he's 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 selfish because that's what, that's why you do something like that. No, I agree. He's uh, he's we definitely know he's all about far. But we got to take a break. We'll get back to uh, to the football discussion. We'll talk some Eagles when we come back on the other side on G Cobb in the half. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You already get the general sports headlines and discussion on TV and radio. Tune in to The Blueprint with Randall Gatewood. Yeah, we'll cover all the general big-name stuff, too, but we go beyond the typical sports radio show to bring you the details you don't get anywhere else. We'll talk about the inspirational stories and the little-known successes. If you want creativity, The Blueprint is the place to be. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Every Monday, tune in after the weekend games for Locker Room Views with Arturo Freeman. It's a sports show that'll keep you talking. We'll go inside the minds and lives of world-class athletes and hear about their views, opinions, and life experiences about the world of sports. Your host, former NFL great Arturo Freeman, will present an action-packed hour every single week. Arturo Freeman, Locker Room Views, is live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Here's what's happening this week on the Great American Outdoor Trails Radio Magazine with Jim and Trav. The president of Ram Trucks, Fred Diaz, veteran actor and outdoorsman Michael Rooker, country music artist Rodney Atkins, and hunter extraordinaire Ron Spomer will be our special guest and will be in it on the trail with a guy that takes his dog on more vacations than his wife. We're talking about those guys from Vanderbilt's, your work boot center, Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. All right, we're back here on G Cobb in the house. Uh, talking some football 
rode Brett Favre for a good uh, entire first segment. Uh, we definitely want to talk some Eagles. I'm Michael Warner. I got G Cobb, Denny Basins, Jason Ashworth with us. Uh, G, you out of practice today? Now the Eagles. Does anyone? What's the line on this game? Does anyone know? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a better. I don't know. I think it was Green Bay by three. That's it. Wow, I guess you're playing at home in the bedroom. Yeah, now, originally, you know, the Eagles were favored a while back, and then Four gradually, as the preseason went off, you know, the the, uh, the Packers eventually became favored, and then now they're up by three. So that yeah. had something to do with the Eagles' um, ineffective preseason. Yeah, you know, and I'm curious what you guys are looking at for this weekend. I mean, if they don't – I know you could say this about just about any, any game, but it really is important. If the Eagles don't get to Rodgers, oh, boy. Because, and, gee, you had mentioned this uh, on your site about Ernie Sims and recognizing misdirection and stuff and how he's not very good at it. They got, they got this Jermichael Finley dude. He's only like 21, 22 years old. He's very young. And he is big and he's athletic and he's just about to bust out. And I can't – I don't know if since Carlos Emmons left – the Eagles have even covered a tight end. I mean, I don't even know if it's in the game plan. They said, let him go. They said, don't even bother. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Well, they you know, he, so he, you know, they're going to try to stop him, of course. But he, you know, the thing is that they're doing so many things to feature him, meaning they put all three receivers, three receivers to the left, and the tight end split out to the right, okay? <laughs> and they, they say, well, how are you going to cover this? Are you going to leave him over there one-on-one? Because, you know, the guy is just, uh, you know, one of those freaks of nature who's very hard to match up, and, you know, he's just a headache. And so it allows them to do certain things where they can do it every time if you just match up one guy because he's so big and strong, and with the way they call interference, you know, how are you going to deal with a guy that big and that strong and, and fast? Who are you going to put out there to be able to cover him one-on-one? Who would you? If you had your pick of one Eagle starter that you think would do the best job of covering him, Nate Allen maybe? I mean, uh, who, I don't think they have a guy on the team that really fits that. You know, come on, guy six five who can jump like a you know NBA power forward. He's two hundred sixty pounds. He runs, and he can run. Uh, maybe maybe Stuart Bradley. You know, that's exactly what I was thinking too. If there's one guy that I think could match up physically and and would have somewhat of speed to stay with him, I mean, and it's. Like you said, Ernie Sims isn't smart enough to recognize decoy. Uh, it would have to be. It would have to be Stuart Bradley. Now you know Ernie Sims is only like six one at the most, six foot six one. Ernie Sims not that tall. So he would have the speed though. I would, I yeah, would think he would he have the speed, but you know the other DBs have got the speed. Yeah, you know he's yeah, got some strength. Like you know if he jams him and stuff, but still he's got those long arms. He's you know it's just a, just a tough thing. The other thing is those other guys. Uh, Donald Driver and Greg, Greg Jennings. Jennings. They're both great run with the catch out guys. They they run with the ball after the catch. So if you don't make that tackle, it ain't, you know don't think that guy's just going to go down. You know they're not one of one of the guys that catch it and they're looking for somewhere to fall. No, they believe in running after the catch. So you got to be thinking about tackling these guys. And I, I think the big thing with the, with this game to me is that the, the Eagles need some good things to happen early, especially their offense. They need something good to happen. They don't need something bad to happen. And then, you know, then they can get going, you know, and, uh, you know, just this Andy, I hopefully he, he says, you know, I, I got a young quarterback in there. Don't, don't, don't try to open all the way up because I definitely know Dom Capers is a blitzer, okay? 
Dom Capers goes after you, you know, if you leave something open. So, you know, they better be careful. Yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, they're, they're deep at wide receiver. Um, they got a lot of players to cover. They got uh, – on offense, you got – you know, gee, you're talking, is he really going to protect Cobb? He's going to send it out there and throw it. You know he's going to. You know, I, I worry about what, what they do with the Green Bay offense, but – you know, I think that this Eagles offense, they do have the power to actually do something, but Andy's got to help the kid out. He really does. And I, can any of us say that he will? I, I don't think he's going to. Not until he starts getting really popped or if it's just flat out not working, and that's probably three or four weeks into the season. I mean, I just can't see him giving a healthy dose to McCoy or, or Weaver. Hey, well, I'm, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you, but do you really think – regardless, you would ever still get a, a healthy dose. How long have we been begging for a healthy dose of running game? I mean, that, that's not anything new. It's just not who Andy is. Uh, I think regardless if it's Donovan or, or Kevin Cobb, you're going to throw the ball. The West Coast offense, you're going to throw the ball. Even your screen is just a form of running the ball. Um, so I, I think to, to say that you're going to run the ball to kind of help to help Cobb is kind of barking up the wrong tree, if you're looking yeah. at it realistically. So what else you can do, max protect? Even if you max protect that, I'm not confident they'll stop the, the the dogs from coming in. Our offensive line is porous right now. And yeah. if, if he's going to get his help, it's not going to come from Andy. It's going to come from the offensive line. They need to buck up and do their job. If they can do that, then that's going to be that's going to be the most beneficial to, to Kevin Cobb, not necessarily running the ball. Just pass protect. Do your job. So I guess the question is, do you like 70% of Jamal Jackson better than, let's say, 100% of Nick Cole or yeah. Mike Glenn? They better not be 70%. He's not going to be 100% that. coming off that I'm not injury. saying he's got to be 100%. He's playing this better game than 70% if you're going to start week one, not only because we need more than a 70% snap in the ball, but I'm not, I'm not trying to start a guy 70% with, okay, especially Jamal Jackson, I'm risking that he tweaks it again, and then next week he's at 50%. Get him healthy. Well, I don't know. If you, if you were worried, worried about him getting healthy, I don't think you would be having him start this week. I don't know. I personally think he's a little too quickly to come back. Well, 70% was a low ball on your end then. I made it up. All right. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a chance bringing him back like that. That's, that's definitely a chance because yeah. you really don't push your 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 uh, your knees. Your Nothing gets stressed enough in practice or during your workouts like they do in a game when you got a guy trying to tear you up and throw you down and everything. You push everything. So if something is not up to snuff, it goes. If it's a groin, if it's a hamstring, if it's your elbow, I mean your 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 quadricep or your tricep or whatever, if something's not up to it or joint, you know, it's going to get stressed. Now he's got he's going to have the uh, the knee brace on, okay. and I wouldn't be surprised if 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 he just gets a little gassed and has to come out a little bit. Hopefully that's the case and he doesn't get you know re-injured. But um, a big you know, problem. a lot to ask to have a guy go back in there in that short of a period of time. But we'll see. If it's not, even if his ACL is okay or it's getting guys sometimes too with a major injury, you start to favor things and do things a little differently, and maybe you're putting too much stress on a different leg or completely, you know, just from trying to compensate for, for the uh, the injury. That's so the that's way it happens. I worry about too. Denny, what are you thinking? Uh, is, is he coming back too soon, or would you rather have a, a banged up Jamal Jackson than whatever or the garbage they had in there? Well, I'd rather have Jamal Jackson right now just because, if nothing else, Jamal Jackson, even if he's not physically all the way there, he'll be able to help set up the uh, line, make the calls, like just set him up better protection-wise. And like Mike, Mike McGlynn, Nick Cole, well, we know that Nick Cole wasn't able to do that last year, and we don't know that uh, 
Mike McGlynn will be able to this year. Yeah, I don't feel like as down on Nick Cole. Nick Cole was going against a, an all-pro, and we, we judged him on an all-pro. I'm not saying that Nick Cole is the answer. I'm not saying Nick Cole is you know, the next coming or, or even a starter in this league at center. But I think he can handle some nose guards in this league. I think he can handle that position in, on some fronts. But he's got to make the calls, Jay. Cowboys line, no. Well, but he's got to be able to make the calls up front, and that's what he wasn't doing. He was missing assignments. He didn't. He yeah, understood. That's he like that's like saying, okay, I have a quarterback who can make the reads, but he can't make the throws. Well, okay, but what does that do? I'm glad you're cerebral, but you got at the end of the day, you got to be able to make the throw, right? That's why he play. He can play guard and not center. No, understand. I'm just. I'm again. I'm just. Talking about the situation we're in, I understand, and, and I'll take Jamal Jackson over Cole any day. But it's one thing for Jackson to be able to make the the reads and get them set, and it's another thing for him to take that that wear and tear, that ground and pound that's going to come at him. If he can't do it physically, then the cerebral aspect of the game is almost moot. Well, you know what? Now that we're talking about interior line, G, who was out there today with the one at right guard? Uh, Nick Cole. Okay, so he's out there. All right, so he's back. Okay, because he was banged up too. Uh, but, I mean, as long as it's not Stacey Andrews, I'm fine with that. Uh, he is now Seattle's problem. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if they, can't, if they can't stop Green Bay up the middle, it's going to be uh, Dallas all over again. And this time, I mean, because what, what happened, too, if you notice in the preseason, you had Cobb, it just became really apparent that he didn't even trust the line. He was bailing on plays before they even started. It was, he got the snap and was like, I'm out of here. You can't have that either. He's got to have some kind of trust with this offensive line, or else this is going to be a disaster. I mean, Denny, you think you think they can they can really block for him to a point where he's comfortable? Because they could do the job even if he's not he's comfortable. He takes off. He's got to know that they're going to do it. You think they can do that? At this point, it's no, not right now. Not after what happened in the preseason. Like by the end of the uh, Kansas City game, like he he was looking more at like the rush itself rather than staying with the plays downfield. And if he's at that point, if he already lost like uh, that much trust in the line, it's hard to see him uh, getting it back just uh, two weeks later. I mean, it's the type of thing I think it's going to have to work itself out over time. And I don't it, certainly not this week. I don't think it, he could possibly like have like a full confidence in them yet. Well, you know, I got to give uh, you know, you take a guy like Asante Samuel, right? <laughs> now say what you want about Asante, <laughs> he's honest. Like if you talk to him. He'll, he'll tell you the truth, you know. Uh, that's why sometimes he'll say, "Hey, look, man, this is uh, this. I don't want to turn turn off that uh, <laughs> turn off that camera, man. You know, because he'll he'll tell you, and he don't. He, you can quote him or whatever, but he doesn't want to be on video saying. But he, like he said today, well, what do you think, man? What do you think about the team, whatever? He going like, man, I don't know. <laughs> we have to see when we go out there. He said after that, you know, you always think you know when you're going into the season, but you don't know. Especially when you got new guys, you don't know, and just like the team don't know. And I, I just wrote that the, the the coaches won't get a lot of sleep because they got different guys. They don't know these guys. They don't know. They think they know, but you don't know. It could be a surprising guy where all of a sudden you know this guy can play and he's better right. than this guy who you thought was going to be great. You know, until the guy goes out there and does it, you don't know how he's going to respond to game situations. And, and and that's what you got to do. You got to be able to play then, and and that's why you really don't know. And so you you think you know though, and you, you go out there with that, but you you really don't know. To guys go out there and and get the job done in in front of the bright lights. Yeah. Well, we got to take a break, but when we get 
to the other side. We'll get back to football and get some baseball in here. This is G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Hey, football fans, are you ready for an intelligent discussion about the Buffalo Bills and the National Football League? Are you tired of listening to talk show hosts that have never played football? Instead of answering your questions, they prefer to listen to themselves. And when they don't like what you're saying, they just cut you off. Well, that won't happen on the Jeff Nixon Sports Report. Keep it clean, stay relatively calm and rational, and the discussion will flow well. Join Jeff Nixon Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. All right, everybody. We're back here on G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. I'm Michael Warren. Along with Jason Ashworth, Denny Basins, and we had a substitution. John Gervais of GCOB.com is substituting for GCOB. What's happening, John? What's going on, man? How's everything? Oh, I can't complain. Welcome, welcome. So, uh, we're talking football, talk some Eagles, and we'll get back to that. I kind of, I don't really want to disregard the Phillies here because they did kind of take first place this week. Um, but here, here's my thing. And, you know, anybody who reads GCOB.com knows that I just continually complain about this stuff. Uh, if I'm coming off as whiny, I apologize. Um, they get first place, and they get the half game, so the next day you hear, oh, Matt, I mean, uh, Lidge isn't available until Friday, we hope. He's got some uh, soreness in his elbow. Uh, that, that's awesome. That's great. Welcome to first place. So that's good. Rollins tweaks his hamstring. And then what, what's the other one I just saw? The, um, oh, the third that I, that I saw today. Uh, was that was the came off the What's that? Last month. Who? No, that wasn't it. Okay. No, it was somebody just somebody else has got got uh, dinged up today, and it's just like it's it's just always something. This team 
can't get ahead. It's like every this. It's actually amazing that they've actually been able to do what they've done this year with so many guys getting hurt. It's always yeah. something, and they always start out with that's just a little tightness, and then you don't see the guy for three months. It's ridiculous. So no, that's what I was going to say. It's par for the course, Micah. To, to say that they, they, no team has had as many people on the DL as the Phillies have put this year, and for them to just be in striking distance. You know, as they were coming in uh, in August, now into September, just to be in striking distance with the guys that they've had on the DL and the injuries and uh, being short on the roster, but now to actually be in first, I wouldn't expect the injuries to necessarily just magically stop because guys get injured. I mean, it's just part of the game, no matter what your sport is. But um, yeah, I mean, to your point, it's amazing that they're uh, they are where they are uh, with what they've had to go through this year so far. That tells you how yeah. talented they are, how deep they are. Now, now, what do you guys think? Can the Phillies hold on to this, or, or is this just uh, temporarily entertaining us? I think they can hang on to it. I mean, look at the front three in the rotation. I mean, Cole Hamels is uh, pitching just like he was in uh, 2008. And, uh, I'd argue better. Yeah. yeah <laughs> He's been well, I mean, actually, you know, if I, if there was, uh, if I had to pick one of the, th- the big three to pitch a big game right now, it'd be Hamels over Halliday and uh, Oswald right now. Wow. I'm not. I can't disagree with that because of how he's pitched. But I love the guy. But there's still something that scares me when he pitches. Yeah, and that's just me being nervous or whatever. But right now, you're exactly right. I mean, he has a 3.06 ERA. Uh, the month of August, he has to have an ERA in the low twos, if that. Um, which I didn't do any preparation to actually get those numbers for everybody. But <laughs> he's been filthy, and no one wants to go up against. Halliday Hamels and Oswalt in the postseason. Blanton, he, he doesn't. I don't not as down him as other people. He's okay. He's he's a horse. That's what he is. He's a horse. He's going to give you two hundred innings. Keep you in the game. Yeah, I mean Sometimes. he's going to get when you, even when he's down. If he gives up four runs in the, in the first two innings, it's okay. He's still going to get you to the sixth inning, and uh, I mean, and odds are you, uh, give up some minimal damage. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. If you look at Blanton's stats and everything since he's come back, you've definitely got to give him a little bit of a grace period coming off the injury and everything. But if you look at his last couple of starts, he's actually right on pace of what you what you want your fourth or fifth start or whatever he's going to be listed as. He's actually on pace for what you would want that guy to have. Now, you guys brought up Cole Hamlin. Man, I mean, if you if you look at last year, I know that makes a lot of people worry, but if you look at last year and just take it, take it for what it was as, the guy probably got a little ahead of himself. Everything that he worked for so much came to him so fast. You know, he was right. a stud coming into the league and everything. He wins all these awards. He wins the World Series, you know, so fast in his career. He probably took it upon him. He probably just, you know, got a, got a little bit of a big head, and, and, and that was a product of last year. But he's definitely back to maybe not exactly 2008, but last year is definitely not the Cole Hamels we're seeing this year. So I have all the confidence in the world with that one, two, three points going into the playoffs. Hey, well, it's a Comcast commercial. Once they threw the Comcast commercial, Cole Hamels, I mean. That's true. That's a wrap. <laughs> you can turn it off at that point, but I agree. You gave him the confidence he needed. One of the things I like the most, um, not only the fact that it is a big three, and I mean, that's going to, I don't care who what your lineup is, I don't care if it's American League or anybody in the National League, it's uh, it's definitely formidable and, and scary, downright scary, one, two, three. But I like the fact that it goes righty, lefty, righty. That's uh, not something that we've had the uh, necessarily the luxury of uh, of in the past, I think that plays a part too. And and Cole, like you said, my guy, almost better. I'm gonna have to say he's almost pitching better. He's got he the is, third pitch uh, now. He was two pitch pitcher two years ago. Yeah, 
Yeah. And he's you know what? One thing that I did like about right Holtz, now, I don't know if it's just me, but he almost looks like he's more confident. He has more confidence, confidence in his players and his teammates right now. And when they make that mistake that they would make last year, you know, i.e. the bonehead plays that Worth may make or something, he's not yeah. showing them up. He's taking it for what it is, and he's just getting them out of the jam. So, yeah, he, he might actually – I don't know if he's necessarily pitching better than he was, but he's, as far as confidence and being a better teammate, I'm, he's probably definitely – I would say he's definitely a better – better in that aspect this year than he was in the World Series year. And he developed a third pitch. Yeah, that's something that last year we were just waiting for him to, to throw, and he, he rarely ever did. Now he's got some confidence in his third pitch to where, I mean, we've seen him throw a 2-2, and then they always, I mean, they always say, if you're going to throw a 2-2, throw a 3-2. And he, he's, right. not relying on, he's not relying on just his changeup and his fastball to get him to get him through in it. So I think that's a big difference with Cole Hamill. Uh, Cole Hamill is something to be excited about. Toward the end of last year, they were talking about, oh, in the offseason, Cole Hamels is going to add a fourth pitch. I was like, when did he get a third? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's that third pitch? Let me see that third pitch. We start he talking throws about a curveball five times a game. And in reality, you have to it. have three pitches, three solid pitches, if you, uh, if you want to try and get through nine innings against anybody. Because eventually, at the first couple of innings, the lineup's going to figure you out. Uh, and that was kind of Cole's detriment last year. Um, but he's corrected it this year, so good for him. Well, so so we're good on that. We like the starting pitching. I mean, who wouldn't? I don't. I don't think there's a better one, two, three in baseball. It's probably safe to say. Um, the bullpen. Oh boy, I don't know what to think about the bullpen. And in '08, as we all know, that was part of their game plan for success. Was that bullpen? Lidge has been better this year. I can't complain really about Lidge. I don't like that his fastball's topping out at 91, but he's getting the job done, so I'm not going to complain. Matson's been all right. Actually, closed a couple games. Yeah. Not looking forward to him continuing to do that. Romero can't find uh, the strike zone. I'm not a huge Romero fan anymore. I don't think anybody is. If David Herndon comes in one more game, there's not at least a 12-run margin. I'm going to kill myself. David, and then, and then Baez comes off the DL today. Awesome. Good news. Yeah, I mean the, the bullpen is definitely something that is going to uh, is going to give people a lot of headaches and. And, and, and everything you can possibly imagine in these last couple games and into how far they go in the playoffs. It's definitely not that uh, that seventh, eighth, and thing that they had in 08 when you had J.C. and then Madsen and then Liz, and you just knew that that was nine outs. It was guaranteed to happen. Now you've got Romero, like you said, he can't find anything. And then Madsen, for as good as he's been, if I, if I was to tell you that he blew two straight saves in the playoffs, I don't think anyone would be shocked. No, I'd so, be like, why was he in there in the first place, John? Yeah, so exactly. So they they definitely need Lidge to uh, they need Lidge not only to to be healthy, but they need him to get as close to um, to, to 2008. I mean, he's not going to be Mr. Perfect ever again, but you know, he just can't be last year. If he can find some type of middle ground and just be healthy with that one, two, three punch, the bullpen in the playoffs, the way that the, those guys go out there. They they might not really have too many problems with the bullpen, but if the bullpen it needs to be used, it's it's going to be a long uh, long series or game or however many times they've got to be used. Yeah, and and it's weird. I was just thinking as we're talking about the bullpen and everything at, at the beginning of this season. This just goes to show that you know we're all part of a media machine. We all talk about stuff. Who who knows? You never know. It's like G was just saying. You never know. We were like, yeah, if we can get if Lidge plays well and he returns to form, if Hamels, you know, those are the two big question marks. This team is straight. Hamill's been phenomenal. Liz has been pretty good all year. If I had told you that in April, and what would the division look like in September, you'd say they'd probably have an 8-9 game lead. Fix this lineup. Bullpen. And Roy Oswald. 
Well, and they're going to have Royals Vault. I would say, well, don't even bother playing the game. But this lineup, I mean, it, Howard looks like he could be getting it going. Are you guys confident in this lineup? I mean, we've been saying all year they have to get it done sometime, right? Do we well, think, think they're finally going to put it together? Too, a little uh, continu- like a, look, they were coming together in the last uh, week or so. There's been a couple games. They put up 10 runs the other night, uh, mm-hmm. six, six runs a couple nights before that. And but I mean, once again, like just as it seems like uh, they're starting to come together a little bit, and uh, Charlie uh, did a good job actually mixing up the lineup, uh, putting Victorino in the leadoff spot and Jimmy in the uh, five and six hole. That was um, working out all right for him. But now, now you have uh, Rollins go down again, and uh, here comes uh, Wilson Valdez, and now everyone's uh, it just throws the continuity out of whack again. And they had it, it, continuity all year. Yeah, it, yeah. I always think the lack of continuity is continuity at this point. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, this roster, this lineup is used to being jostled, flipped, turned. Uh, and Valdez, for all intents and purposes, Valdez, say what you want about the guy. He's been a great spot fill for the Phillies this season in terms of his yeah. versatility, where he can play third, short, second, wherever you need to put him. There was even talk at one point uh, where you could use him in the outfield if you needed to. Uh, so. I mean, again, say what you want, but to me, Valdez has been one of the key players uh, to keeping all this together. So I don't think they're losing too much uh, with Valdez coming in on these couple spot starts or, or filling in for Rollins as need be. And I don't expect Rollins to be out uh, in all reality yeah. too no, much. Valdez, Valdez, Valdez has been steady. Uh, he feels the position well and everything. He's just not an electrifying offensive player. But No, no, but you're right. right. Rollins hasn't been either, Danny. Together on the field. I mean, you can make the argument that Rollins hasn't been giving you much to play it anyway. Right. Or else he'd be the leadoff. Yeah, lately, my, what hurts me not seeing Rollins out there lately is it's just such a drop-off in defense. The guy is still a monster on defense. Um, I don't know how much a drop-off. I mean, he's got a cannon arm. He's got a I mean, ten times better arm than Valdez. But I don't want to say it's such a drop-off in defense. Valdez plays a very solid short. So arm strength has nothing to do with getting the ball to first. Okay, now maybe you want to rewind the conversation and yeah. to where I said arm strength has nothing. You said a big drop off in defense. Yeah, but yeah, Rollins has a better arm. Valdez is not as good at glove. And, what's that? Denny or John, you want to back me up on this, or are you going to take Jay's side? Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll back you up on that. Rollins, he's, Rollins is an all-star at uh, shortstop. Gold Glover. Uh, uh, Valdez, he's he's a nice, he's a fill-in player. I mean, he he's done a good job, but he's he's not a uh, Jimmy Rollins. I never said he was Jimmy Rollins, but and oh, don't Jay's give me that he's an all-star now. because of his defense only. <laughs> Jimmy Rollins is, is an all-star because he's got a lot of pop at the plate too. And when Jimmy Rollins doesn't have what he hasn't had this year in terms of uh, the power numbers or even the on-base percentage that we're used to, Jimmy Rollins doesn't really seem like an all-star. I've never seen one all-star shortstop make it there simply because of his glove. No, agreed. Look, and we're going to talk about Rollins too because he's starting to fall off, and no one wants to say it. Um, we got to take a break. We'll come right back here on G Cobb in the House on VoiceAmericaSports.com. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's at Tough the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. To left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we. We cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. 
Are you ready to talk football with the greatest wide receiver player and coach in NFL history? Tune in to Wide Open with Andre Rison. Andre is ready to talk to you and give his thoughts on the sport. There'll be celebrity guests, coaches, players, artists, and more. He'll go beyond the game with a look from the coach's point of view and feature a high school player each week. Tune in to Wide Open with host Andre Rison. Featured Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. You bet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at youbet.com. The IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific time for IS Outdoors on the Voice America Sports Channel. With their combined experience of 60 years in the woods, Brock and Don have traveled widely creating TV shows and writing articles on hunting and fishing. Blessed with down-home humor, they are also well-versed in environmental concerns, firearms ownership, and animal rights issues. IS Outdoors offers brisk interaction with the audience, soliciting opinions and questions on a wide range of outdoors subjects. Tune in every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time to the IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show with Brock Ray and Don Kirk, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Gary Cobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. All right, man, we're back here. Final segment on G Cobb in the house. I'm Michael Warren, along with Jason Ashworth, Kenny Basins, John Gervais. You guys are making it difficult. I've got to keep this, like, written down so I don't forget. It's such a big party this evening. But uh, so we talked some Phillies and Eagles, and reluctantly, we'll, we'll talk some Sixers. I know, uh, John, especially you want to talk about Andre Godala and what he's doing this summer, and definitely fill me in, because I admit, I don't, I don't watch a lot of the summer basketball stuff. Um, yeah, I'll catch the headlines and stuff, and everything we've heard about Iguodala, he's been really good. And for people that have watched the Sixers over the years, you can understand they have a little bit of trouble believing that, or at least believing that's going to translate 
to the Sixers. Because this guy, excuse me, we've heard about he's a superstar, he's this, and you look at his athletic talent and you go, oh, my God. And then it's just something, there's a disconnect there. So, John, have you been following this, John? I mean, yeah, I've been paying, I've been paying pretty close attention to, uh, to Isabella over there and, in, uh, in, in this FIBA tournament and preliminary games and everything. And I, I will admit that I am probably not the biggest Iguodala fan. So when the reports are coming out, how good he was looking at camp and everything, I, I, I bought into it. I, I followed it, and I wanted to make sure that what I was hearing was correct. At first, it looked great. He was slashing through the paint. He was active on the, re- on the, on the boards. He was playing excellent defense. And then ever since that, I think it was that Brazil game. It's uh, something about that game, and the def- he just didn't look right. And now the fact that he's not even a stat stuffer over there, it, you'll see him get two or three points, maybe two or three rebounds. And what was supposed to be this this great thing that was going to help him excel and make him play with all these you know so-called great players and and let him see what winning is all about. Now it just looks like he's a simple role player that's. And when he comes back here, he's not going to be the star that they, that they, that, they, that people think he's supposed to be or, or, or expecting him to be or whatever your expectations may, for, may have been for him. So at first I was all for him being over there, but now I just I think it's going to backfire and he's going to lose some of this confidence that he may have been developing or whatever. So it's, it's going to be a rough year with Iguodala here over here, I think. But, but didn't, John, you kind of just described his career. It's funny that we, as you were going through that, I'm like, yeah, this sounds about right. Oh, he looked awesome, and everybody loved him. And then right. and, you know, a few weeks later, he went in the toilet, and everyone wanted to get rid of him. That sounds like Iguodala. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, if you, if you think about his career, man, he, he's, he's really not, all, all jokes aside, he's not a bad player. He's not a bad he, player, but he's not he's a star. Athletic. He can, he can, he can, he can dunk, he can play defense, he can rebound in NBA. He, he can even uh, he can even put the ball on the floor slightly in the NBA, right? But for what he for for what this team for what the Sixers want for what the Sixers need, he's absolutely the wrong guy. He can't shoot. Yep. And everyone knows that. And he's a yeah. small forward that you're trying to force play the shooting guard position, and he he's not built for that. No, yeah, I, I agree with you, John. Uh, almost hundred percent, Mike. We talked about this a little while ago. Um, when we first, it was months ago, to be honest with you. But Iguodala, to me, he's an athlete. He's a hell of an athlete. To me, that doesn't make him a basketball player. I don't know if he right. has necessarily the basketball skills, um, top to bottom, but he's definitely an athlete and he's definitely good enough to play in the NBA. It's just to what level. And then in terms of the offense, uh, yeah, you're right. You have almost conflicting uh, styles uh, within your players. Do you want to play the half court or do you want to get up and down the floor? And until the Sixers figure out what style they really want and then address that on their roster, it's, just, it's going to be a mess. And Mike, I said to you, the Sixers have no direction. Uh, I don't think they know where they want to go in terms of team and talent and, and building the roster. Now, they have some young guys. They have some talent, obviously, there that they're building. But until they can get a solid core and a certain direction uh, with which they want that core to go, I think uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be tough getting in Philadelphia in terms of basketball. Well, I think that what you're saying is correct, and the two guys that most uh, exemplify that are Iguodala. You want to run and gun? He's your guy. Yeah, awesome. I don't want to run with him all day. He'll just keep running and running. He's really good at it. You want to play half court? Well, then you got to go Elton Brand. There you go. He can't the shoot. The two don't mix. They just simply don't he mix. He can't shoot. So you can't play in a half court and with, with Elton Brand. And Elton Brand can't run. 
And you also have them locked up to two huge contracts. Have fun with that. Yeah. I mean, this team is... And then you throw in the Thaddeus Youngs, Lou Williams, Willie Green, and, and a bunch of, you know, Evan Turner. I don't... We'll, we'll see with Evan Turner. I, I don't know, you know, what, what his deal is yet, but... Wh- I mean, what do you guys think? Wh- what would you do with this team? I would mind, you're locked into a lot of stuff. I think that, uh, like, you know, he's got some value around the league, but I think that right now he's it's he's a problem on the team because with him playing the uh, three, it stunts the growth of uh, Thaddeus. It has stunted the growth of uh, Thaddeus Young, who Absolutely. I think has a higher ceiling yeah. than uh, Iguodala. And uh, in- until the Sixers uh, move Iguodala, I-, I just don't see how they're going to really improve much over the next couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, that I, I was high on Thaddeus Young when he came out. I loved him after his rookie year, um, and then, you know, so forth and so forth. Having Iguodala on the team is definitely stunting the growth of Thaddeus Young. And that's the bad thing for for multiple reasons. One, because, you know, he's stunting the growth of a young guy, so you want him to develop. But it's also a bad thing because his contract's coming up, and you really don't know what he's going to be. We don't know if Thaddeus Young is just going to be a six-man for the rest of his career, or or if he's a starter that's willing that that's going to be able to give you 15 to 20 points a game. We do not know that yet. We've seen him right. score in spurts, and we've seen him play the power forward, the small forward. We've seen him play all these multiple positions, but we still don't know what he is. So in order for 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 the Sixers to know what they have with him, they've got to take advantage of these these teams that want to trade for Iguodala. So when you get these trade room, when you hear these trade rumors about you know, in the beginning of the summer where the Clippers are, are reportedly, reportedly in, interested in them, and then you hear the names that are coming back, and Eric Gordon or whatever, it's like, okay, you're, you're giving your out, and this is going to help you at least, even if Eric Gordon at the time, which now we see he's, he's, he's going to be an amazing shooter in the NBA, but now, you know, you look at it and you say, wow, I really should have jumped on that because now you're going to stuck with this this big contract. You had a chance to get out of a contract, and you had also a chance for younger guys to play. And if you get Eric Gordon and he's not good, then at least you say, hey, I got rid of Iguodala, and I don't have this big financial commitment. I got you know I got this young guy. That's fine. I opened up time for for Thaddeus Young, and you know what? I'll, I'll take Iguodala's position or another shooting guard or whatever it is. That I feel like I'm lacking now in the draft. But unfortunately, you don't make those type deals. So now you're stuck with Iguodala, and you're forced to sit here and say, well, what am I going to do with Thaddeus Young or Spades or whatever, because Spades, although he's tall, he's a, he's a power forward in the NBA. Yeah, so, and you know what? The Sixers are a mess, and we could probably go on for another two hours just about Iguodala and the Sixers, <laughs> but we've got to run. That is our show for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. I will not. I'm off next week because I'll be out getting married. So somebody else will take care of that. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Jason Ashworth, Denny Basin, John Gervais, I'm Michael Warren. We'll see you guys soon. This is G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Time to break the huddle. We'll be back again next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern for another edition of G Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and Micah Warren. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.